Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Yes, welcome in. Glad that you guys have joined us for another episode of Bamboo Pastors Podcast. John, always good to talk to you. How are you doing this week? Uh, I'm doing well, Jalen. It, you know, it's kind of been crazy because this past Sunday, we just had our very first live stream service. And even though we're not ready for the congregation to come back to join us, we did switch from like an entirely pre-recorded service to some pre-recorded elements and then the rest being basically live in the building. And so it was just our staff at church. We did combined services, English and Mandarin, and then English and Cantonese. And I'll just say this after, you know, like eight months of pandemic and doing church a certain way. And for me, having started at this church, basically in the middle of that pandemic, and we're still in the middle of it, but in the middle of pre-recorded services, it was really, really nice to finally have church in the building. And so I felt like, you know, it was kind of crazy because we were all over the place, not all over the place, but it was just very, for me, stressful because you just don't know how things are going to go. Yeah. But man, it was just, it just felt right to be back in the building together. And I, I realized how much I've missed it. That's super exciting. Yeah. I can't wait to do that as well. I mean, we've been pre-recording for a, a while. I mean, for eight months now, uh, actually our Mandarin congregation started doing their live streaming or they do it over zoom, uh, in, in the church building in September. And so they've been at it for a couple months now, but we in the English congregation have not done that. And so we're still, waiting to do that. I think we're looking forward to it, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep praying for you guys. I know that's exciting for, for churches to start moving in that direction now. I uh, don't know if we can keep moving in that direction, but hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. On a side note though, another interesting thing that has happened is that we've had some water leak issues at church this week. And so, I mean, it's been good. It's nothing like totally crazy or horrible. Um, but because of it, and they're trying to fix the, the leak, they have to shut the water. We've had to shut the water off at the building. And so, you know, I go into the office during the weekdays. And so you just never know when there's going to be water and when there's not going to be water. And if you need to use the bathroom, like, oh, well, I guess I get one flush and that's it. So make sure you get it all in one go. But <laughs> otherwise, it's made for an interesting, an interesting week on top of a lot of other interesting things, just because this is you know, the election is, in the, we're in the middle of counting and all that. So we won't get into that. But hopefully by the time this episode releases, we'll know who our next president is. But yeah. I don't know. I'm not super hopeful about that. How about you? How's your week going? You know, I think with with your water leak situation, that's very 2020, right? Very on brand for for this year. So yep. good work on that. Um, yeah, no, our, our, our week in, in our household has been good. Um, so Jenny, my wife teaches, you know, our kids for homeschooling. And so one of the things that we're trying to do with our kids is get their handwriting to be, you know, neater, to be better, to be tighter. And so we have them do a prayer journal every morning. And so our eight-year-old, uh, who is actually John, your godson, he, he wrote this really sweet prayer that I wanted to share and read just because it has to do with like being a pastor and whatnot. So this is what he wrote. He wrote, Lord, when I'm scared, please remind me that you are with me when I'm scared. Please help me preach the gospel to others. I want a new heart to become a pastor like my dad. I want to preach no matter the cost. 
That's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. And if, and if you know our eight-year-old, he is not like a sweet, warm, fuzzy kind of guy. He's very like prickly. He can be very uh, volatile and angry at times. And so this from him is, uh, it, it's, it's heart melting and mm. um, super encouraging. And uh, I know that, you know, you, you appreciate that. And, you know, you were encouraged by that when we shared that with you. But uh, for me, definitely as a father, just, you know, love to see that. That's something that, you know, I, I pray for, for my kids constantly that they will follow Jesus. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, stuff like that is just so encouraging. But uh, yeah, so good week, you know, in spite of 2020 and everything else going on. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good little message. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. I'm definitely praying for him, praying for all your kids, praying especially for him, echoing the, the line in his journal that uh, to ask for a new heart, you know, regularly. I think that's super important. So that's so thank you for sharing that with me and with our listeners. I'm really excited because our guest today is Tim Haas. And Tim is the youth minister at Twin City Chinese Christian Church, uh, which is up in Minnesota. I guess I'm not 100% sure which of the two cities he's, the church is in, but I'll let him tell us that. And so, Tim, we're, you know, we're really glad that you're on with us. We have served together at um, summer youth ministries together, and I've always uh, enjoyed just the conversations and hanging out at those camps that we've done. And, you know, I feel like you are a beard role model for me. So thank you for coming <laughs> on. Maybe you can give me some pointers on how to get a just that thick, luscious beard that you have. Um, and even more so, tell us about the ministry that you guys are doing. So welcome. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. And the secret is just letting it grow. It just just forget about it. It's fine. Then, and then you just got to be okay with it. <laughs> um, although I, I do have a 16-month-old son. And so usually when he starts pulling at it, that's when it's time, I know, to get rid of it. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, our church is in Roseville, Minnesota, which is uh, a suburb of St. Paul, so one of the Twin Cities, uh, but it's kind of nestled in between Minneapolis and St. Paul, um, So we're, but we're in kind of like a, a first-tier suburb. Could you share with us uh, just briefly your, your ministry journey, how you got to this church, and, and kind of how God called you to ministry and then to Twin Cities? I am a pastor's kid. I'm actually a third generation pastor uh, in my family. First one in my family to be at a Chinese church. Uh, and, and so that, that's a little bit of a story in itself. Like just uh, to be honest, I, I did not know that. I, I really had no idea that there was a Chinese church culture at all. Uh, I was completely unaware of it. Uh, I, I grew up going to a few different places uh, as I grew up, but uh, um, I mostly grew up in a really small town in North Dakota. And my, my dad was a pastor there. And, and by small, I mean like 1,100 people. So like a, not a whole lot of interaction with other, honestly, other cultures, really. Um, we were very much like, you know, you live, live in a white area and, and all that. But I felt, unlike your son, Jalen, not called to be a pastor uh, like my dad and my grandpa, I, I, I saw what it was like. And I was like, uh, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to get up in front of people and talk and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, there, there was a point in high school, especially going to, to retreats and camps um, that I started uh, having some, you know, I, I'd accepted Christ at a young age, but I kind of just gone through the motions. And then uh, as I was starting to come of age and starting to ask some of those deep questions, I started realizing uh, that 
know, if God was really, you know, God, God, then he deserved me doing whatever he wanted me to do. Um, and so I, I kind of committed myself to his will and, and to whatever he wanted me to do. And I felt him calling me to uh, go into ministry, which was to me the most terrifying thing that he could have called me to. So that's why I figured it was probably right. So I, I, I felt called to that. And, you know, with my dad being a pastor, he kind of walked me through the steps. I was like, okay, this is what I did. You know, just go to college, get a degree. Then you go to seminary after that. doesn't really matter what the college degree is. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> but it could, whatever it can do, probably hopefully should set you up for further learning in seminary uh, so that you can, you know, just kind of follow steps, which I now know as a part of a Chinese church is not the path of most pastors in the Chinese church. Usually it's like a second career or something. So um, I, I know for the, my story in, in a Chinese context is perhaps a little bit different in that I, you know, kind of followed those steps in order to um, enter ministry at an early age. Uh, but I, I did that. And although I, there, there was a, quite a actually pretty big hiccup in college um, where I actually um, stopped believing in God, which was a really, really big deal because uh, not only did my entire like really identity and social grouping and and all that rely on the church and and my faith but also my career did and so it was a really scary thing to realize that I didn't have any reason to believe in God except for the fact that I had been raised to believe it um, I had a lot of uh, friends who were atheists and we kind of enjoyed bantering back and forth and you know at one point I, I just realized you know they're not really listening and considering that I might be right. And I'm not doing that for them either. And so that's really just kind of what spurred me to start asking those those deeper questions and realizing that I didn't have any deeper answers. Um, so that was a really tough time in my life. And part of that was also this kind of mixed in with that, this disillusionment, I think, with the faith that I had growing up, you know, being from a small town in North Dakota, uh, very monocultural, and then all of a sudden going to um, liberal arts college, uh, university of North Dakota, which I know being in the twin cities, that seems kind of like small time, but you know, North Dakota, that's like one of the megaliths <laughs> of, of colleges and, uh, just being exposed to so many different ideas and, and experiences. It really, uh, challenged me in many ways and I'm very grateful for it now, but it, I think showed me that there was a lot in my own faith that was lacking and if there was nothing in the scriptures, in Christianity in general, to support something deeper, then also, you know, first, if it wasn't intellectually satisfying, then we couldn't do it. But also if it wasn't, you know, if it didn't give me a purpose, uh, if there wasn't more to it than this, uh, then that wasn't worth it either. So those were some of the big questions that I was, uh, I was searching for. And I kind of kept that from my dad for a while, because <laughs> uh, I just didn't really know how, how it was going to happen. But when I finally uh, ended up sharing that with him, he uh, encouraged me to, if I was going to you know, listen to all the voices that I was I was hearing, that I also, to be fair, give God a chance and ask him that if he was real to also reveal himself to me. And so I did that. And, and that allowed me to start opening myself up again to the possibility that God was there, that he existed, that he loved me. And that really helped me to start kind of taking those steps back into faith in general. And thankfully to a, the career that I was on a path forward uh, as well. So you went from university to seminary and 
how did did you go straight from seminary to this church that you're at now or did you have a, some stops along the way there was uh, a church that I was working at uh, part-time as an intern uh, cornerstone church in crystal and that was so I, I, I kind of knew that that was going to be a, a part-time gig and that it, it wasn't going to be long term but then um, as I ended seminary so I was doing that as I was interning in seminary when I finished seminary I realized that I needed to find a full-time ministry position. And so I was just looking and, and part of the kind of rebuilding of my faith was opening me up to more like uh, kind of wondering how can I be a part of the greater church and not just uh, kind of keep feeding into this uh, white evangelical culture that I, I had been raised in and, and really as, as you know, being in, in seminary, um, being a part of as well. Um, so I was certainly open uh, to and, and really idealistically hoping to be a part of something different for myself. And so as I was looking through, you know, job applications, I saw uh, Twin City Transfusion Church uh, with a position open. And uh, at first, I just completely blew past it because I had absolutely no experience with Chinese culture. But a, a day or two later, I, I looked back again and I looked a little bit deeper into it. I looked at their website and they had forgotten to take the old youth pastor's picture down and he was white. So I was like, well, okay, maybe. <laughs> and so I, I started uh, looking into it and I, I sent them my resume and we started uh, the interview process and they ended up taking a chance on me, I guess. Yeah. As you said, you know, growing up in North Dakota, uh, kind of in that monolith, you know, what was it like? Describe the transition into a new culture, into uh, a ministry context that was probably really unfamiliar to you. What was that like, that transition? And then as you have been going through that, what are some of the challenges, but also what are some of the life-giving or uh, faith-encouraging things that you experience? You know, as someone who was like just kind of trying to thrust myself into this uh, the very first thing that my wife and I had to really consider before even taking the position was, uh, am I okay giving up my Friday nights forever? Because <laughs> in the white church culture, like youth group is on Wednesday nights. That's right. Like it's always on Wednesday nights, maybe Sundays, maybe Thursdays, but never ever Fridays. Because right. <laughs> Fridays and Saturdays, these are like sacred in American culture that, you know, these are the fun nights is your relaxing nights. And so uh, I, I knew that this was going to be a big change for us. And so we had to pray about that and think about that a lot. And so that, that was a, that was a big thing. Yeah. There was a lot of things that uh, I had to learn just kind of on my feet, but part of it was, as I was uh, thinking through, you know, whether I take this position or not, I was talking with a mentor and, and one of the things he told me was helpful. He said like, you know, it will actually be to your benefit in some ways to realize that you're so different in this context, because that's going to make sure you're going to go in with your eyes wide open because any church you go into has a different culture. Um, and the foolishness of it would be to go in and, and just think that, you know, it, um, but of course you don't. And then that's when you start stepping on toes and all that. So I went in um, trying to, keep it in mind constantly. Uh, I certainly didn't always do a great job of that. One of the things that I didn't realize ahead of time was that people called each other uncles. Well, the, so the, the youth and the children, they always call people older than them. Uh, and even adults too, uncles and aunties. Yep. I just didn't, I, I was like, 
that in you know white culture that's usually just referred or a term that's used for you know people who are biologically related to you or the term uncle kind of has this kind of goofy sense to it and so on one of my first nights that the teens were all having a discussion about like what do we call him and one of the kids said like uncle tim and i shut that down pretty quick because i thought they were like trying to disrespect me or set me up to be just kind of this goofy guy that they didn't listen to <laughs> uh and so now of course i look back and i was like oh that it was it was a way of welcoming me in and trying to make sure that i i knew i was part of the group uh, which is really, really great. But yeah, th- there was kind of, you know, full pause like that. And, and there are a number of other things like prayer being such a, a, a huge focus and not just, not just like, you know, a little prayer, but long prayer. That was really odd for me. Um, I know one of the, uh, so our, our pastoral staff, uh, we meet every Tuesday t- uh, to pray for an hour. And the first time we did that, I, I thought we were just going to sit and pray for like, you know, maybe 10 minutes. And it just kept going on. I was like, when is this getting over? I don't know what's going on. Uh, and that was that was a big learning curve for me. Now I, you know, it's it's still not like a, a prayer is not my strong suit, but it has certainly, uh, I, I start looking forward to it more because it's a time of connection with the other pastors uh, where we get to share with each other what's going on in ministry, what's going on in our lives. And um, so that that's, uh, that's a pretty cool thing um, that, the Chinese church, I think, has uh, that, that can teach other churches and other uh, Christians. As you've mentioned that you're on a, a church staff that has different uh, congregations and different pastors. And so what are some things that you've learned uh, as you've served alongside pastors who come from really, really different backgrounds from you who speak different languages, uh, but you're on this team together? Are there any, you know, what are some of the things that have uh, that they've shared with you and that you've shared with them? One of the things that makes our church a little bit unique is that we do not have a senior pastor. There used to be a senior pastor kind of back in the day, but uh, when that pastor left and I think they were searching for a senior pastor for a while, but they they didn't get one and they started kind of realizing like, oh, this kind of seems a little bit better and healthier. And so we're actually now, we're intentionally a plural leadership church where there is not one pastor or elder who has the final say, like we, all of us, all 10 of us have to agree on decisions, which can be breathtakingly slow, but also when a decision is made, it is almost always a very well prayed over and thought over wise decision. And so I've, that's something I've really appreciated about being on the the staff uh, at this church. That's really interesting because, you know, usually I feel like typical Chinese churches are led from the top down, you know, and so you're right. It sounds like a lot more work to have consensus together, but I feel like you do the work in the beginning of crafting the vision and where you're going and having buy-in rather than having to do the work on the back end when someone says, this is what we're doing, and then having to kind of fill in the pieces later. So I, I... you know, I, I really appreciate that because I think that that's a, that's a tougher ministry model, but to me it sounds much more, I don't know if practical is the right word, but there's a lot of value in that. I think especially in a Chinese context where there can be a lot of um, sometimes tension between the Mandarin and the Cantonese and then the English congregations where the English congregation can be typically seen as kind of like the, the children who need to follow. Whereas in our church, I think because of the way we structured it, there is a lot more 
I think trust and uh, an invitation to lead towards the English congregation, which has been very healthy. Um, the official business language of the church uh, quite a while ago was made to be English. So our official documents are all, first of all, in English and second of all, in Chinese, even though primarily English speaking people are, are the minority in the church. So there, there's kind of like this, uh, I think, very healthy focus on the next generation um, in our church. So yeah, there's a lot of, um, I think, really healthy things going on as part of this church. So I, I really appreciated that from um, from the elders and from the pastoral staff. One of the things that I learned, well, it had to be pointed out to me a number of times, was that for Chinese folks, when it comes to uh, when you have a group discussion, a lot of times they will not speak up right away. They'll, they'll wait a while. And I was so uncomfortable with the silence. I always, always wanted to just like jump in and say something, break the silence, throw an idea out there. But as I've grown to see the, the foolishness in many of my, my quick answers uh, and many of the wisdom in the, the slow answers, I've really um, uh, hopefully learned from that. And I've started to um, try to um, take that myself and, and start to uh, act like that a little bit more. I think of like, like James 1.9, like be quick to listen, slow to speak. And then once you do that, it would be slow to get angry, which when you're trying to communicate and cooperate with so many people on so many different cultures where it's so easy to miss what the other person's saying, if you are quicker to listen and if you are slower to speak, um, you will be slower to get angry. I've uh, had that experience. Um, so I've really appreciated learning that from uh, especially the, the Mandarin and the Cantonese pastors. Yeah, that's a that's a great word of advice and a great word of wisdom there. And as you said earlier, I think a lot of that is is trusting, right? Trusting that, you know, your your brothers whom you're serving with, they are thinking and praying through what are some good next steps and making decisions together. And, you know, I appreciate that you guys are seeking to do that and modeling that for a lot of Chinese churches. So uh, that's really awesome. Uh, we want to switch gears a little bit. Uh, obviously, you're uh, pastoring in Minnesota as a ministry leader, uh, have you processed personally? Have you responded personally to the events surrounding George Floyd earlier that happened, um, his his death earlier in 2020? And then, how has your church responded to and processed everything that's happened? Yeah, it has been. I think for me personally, and for us as a church too, I, I think a, a time of reckoning since George Floyd's death. And it's interesting is. You know, as I was preparing for this and just kind of thinking back, I remember the for a few days, I really wasn't aware of what was going on. You know, I, I saw myself as someone who like, you know, cared about justice and, you know, I would, I would kind of keep up with some of these things. But with the pandemic, too, like everyone being isolated, it's hard to like keep tabs on everything. But when things started getting a lot more heated and for listeners who, you know, may not be aware, like there were you know, massive protests, of course, across the uh, the U.S., but especially here um, in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And my family lives in St. Paul. And so when I think especially when the protests turned uh, violent at night, once in a while, that, that became apocalyptic, to be honest, in many ways. Uh, my family doesn't live uh, extremely close to, to everything, but uh, close enough to be, you know, quite nerve wracking for a few days. Um, and so, you know, you, you combine the isolation of really being in lockdown, combine that with all of the the fear and then all of the, the for, for my wife and I, you know, the collective white guilt and the realization that like we need to do something and not being able to do anything because we're also parenting 
uh, two young kids. Uh, there, there, there was so much for us personally that was going on and that we're still continuing to, to process and to learn about. Um, so it's been a, a time of personal change for us in many ways, and hopefully for the better. For our church, it has, I think, been the same way. But as I'm sure you all know, an event like this isn't perceived the same way by everyone, especially in a church with so many different cultures. So for many in the English congregation, especially the youngest ones, young adults out of college and, and you know, mid-20s and stuff, like many of them were very, very keyed into this and um, very heartbroken and, and really were in many ways leading the way and, and even helping me to make sure that we are uh, having a Christian response to this. And so we turned to uh, lament in the English congregation. We began, uh, started kind of trying to understand how we can repent um, from systemic racism, from our part in it. Um, And I know for, for myself, it's been really kind of a odd, at times very awkward to navigate that because as a white man, it would be difficult enough to have these kind of conversations in a white church, but now as a, as a white man trying to translate the experience of uh, especially white on black racism through the American Chinese and Chinese immigrant lens, that was uh, a lot more difficult for me <laughs> to do and to try to think through. Uh, it, thankfully it wasn't, you know, just me doing this. Like there were a lot of people on volunteers in our youth group who wanted to, to talk about this and to, to help us, as, help the teenagers to process this and help us uh, as a church to process this. So, you know, something that you just said uh, that I have a deep appreciation for is that at your church, in, in many ways, young people were leading the way on some of this, right? Leading conversations, really not letting this just passed by, which I think is very normal for Chinese churches to, we just want to stay out of things, right? We don't want to rock the boat too much. We want to avoid things that are going to be maybe very volatile or divisive, potentially divisive. And yet, you know, for myself, I believe strongly that this conversation about justice is something that the church has to participate in. So I think that there's just something incredibly valuable that, that your church has allowed young people to kind of step into that, right. To, to give them a a voice to, to lead in that way, which I don't think is super normal. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of Chinese churches that do do that, but I also think that there are some that probably they're not doing that. And what are some ways for yourself that you've tried to engage this topic of justice with people in your church or, or what are some ways that maybe these young people have done that alongside, you know, the, the ministries that you're doing? Yeah, the young people, <laughs> I call them young people, but, you know, these are people like, you know, five to 10 young, years younger than me. Yeah, they've been really important. And it's kind of interesting because as we were starting to uh, engage with this and, and bring, maybe just in our English congregation, we're trying to, you know, have like movie nights or, you know, starting to discuss in, in Sunday school. We had to start thinking about, you know, we don't want to just be preaching to the choir on this. We don't want to just keep going over things that is just going to attract other like-minded individuals. If we really want to help our church, like our whole church, understand what's going on and to help us change really our theology 
and our practice, then we need to try to speak and engage in a way that is going to bring others in and not just be a, a sounding board. So one of the things we did right away that was, I mean, th this was a uh, very much well received uh, was we did a, a food drive for those who were um, affected by the the violence that happened, and so we were able to take a lot of donated items and to churches, um, and that was really great to see so many, especially the the older folks in our congregations, like be so willing to to give for that, and we did that a couple different times, so th that was one thing that was really helpful. And uh, but as we started to try to bring this up among uh, the, the leadership, like, hey, some of the people are asking for, you know, a kind of a, a, not just an English congregation response, which we were pretty readily uh, willing to, to start engaging this, but a whole church response from uh, all the pastors and elders, you know, we had to have some of those deeper conversations about like, well, what about black on Chinese racism? Like, what about all these other things? Like, wh why are we just focusing on this? Why, why we haven't uh, talked about, you know, the Hong Kong incidents from a whole church perspective like why why specifically this one now and so again this kind of goes back to like our, our church structure um we don't have a senior pastor it's not like we just have to you know have one person to to be on board and to say okay this is this is how we're going to think we all have to come together we all have to listen to each other we all have to understand and trust uh the other people um who are working with as we're discussing this uh, in order to start moving forward. And so what a lot of the uh, the young people in our church were looking for was, was you know, what you saw come from a lot of corporations at this time, you know, like the explicit support for Black Lives Matter, statements uh, saying, essentially recognizing systemic racism and, and wanting to address that. You know, they didn't exactly say this, but this is what was implicitly hoped for. And we started working on it, but we actually only finally... <laughs> ended up publishing something uh, actually last week. So it took a long time, but what we ended up publishing, I, I think will be in the long run, very helpful for our church um, because it goes kind of dives deeper into the actual issues that we're talking about. Like what it really is scripture's view on the role of government. Is it something that you're just supposed to obey or is it something that as a Christian that we are called to influence as well? And we were able to um, address, I mean, not, not just, you know, the, the incidents about George Floyd and all that, which were super important, um, but also we were able to kind of start uh, talking about all these things that we really haven't talked about as a church. And uh, I'm hoping that this document that we were able to publish for our church will be a starting point to continue having some of these uh, deeper conversations that Christians in general, but I know especially Chinese Christians, um, tend to kind of sweep under the rug and kind of push off so that we don't end up talking about those things because it's too uncomfortable. Have you guys uh, considered at all like sharing some of the work that you guys have been doing in this area with other Chinese churches, either around you or in your networks? I feel like that document would be super beneficial for churches, you know, not as something like, oh, you have to do this, but hey, this is a way that your church can engage. We haven't talked about that, but I think we would be open for it. Um, I think one of the things that we've been praying for as a church for the last year or so is, um, I mean, we recognize that our placement in the Twin Cities is kind of, we are kind of naturally seen as a leader among Chinese churches. And so um, I think we would be certainly open to allowing ourselves to be a part of another uh, 
Chinese church's thought process on this. And if we can be of any help, we would uh, love to do that, I think. Yeah, I really appreciate that you guys did the work of having conversation, having discussion over these issues. I imagine there were probably some disagreements, probably some uh, differences of opinions and perspectives. But I think what is helpful is that that fosters and cultivates unity in the body of Christ, right? Especially in Chinese churches, cross-congregationally. I think that so many times as Chinese churches, in the name of unity, we avoid these conversations thinking that they'll lead us into more disagreement. But when we do come together and have these conversations, those are so important for this for the unity of the church. And so, you know, I'm really grateful that you guys have have done that and, and are doing that. That's something that I would encourage. Uh, certainly, something that I want to do, you know, in, in my own church, and uh, encourage other other pastors to do the same thing is to have these conversations, especially on issues like this that we need to keep talking about and we need to keep addressing. Uh, with the different congregations in our Chinese churches because they are valuable and they are important. So Tim, thank you for your, your insights and your thoughts on that. As we kind of wrap up, is there one piece of advice or encouragement that you would give to someone who is serving in a Chinese church? Honestly, uh, just be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. <laughs> That's really it. That's awesome. Super valuable. I know. I wish, uh, like, like we were joking around earlier, that we had had a resource like this, you know, when we were starting, because those are, that's some real wisdom, really valuable, I think, for anyone that's serving in ministry, especially in, in cross-cultural ministry, because it's so easy to just, like, you, you want to put your own experience or your own culture, cultural lens, you, you put it on other people, and it makes for a hard time to listen. I know I've had to learn that, even as a second-generation Chinese-American, that there's, there's, like you said, other, uh, other perspectives. And so we're really thankful that you came on to the podcast with us and hanging out with us and sharing the wisdom that you've learned in your journey, but also just the work that your church is doing. So thanks for coming on with us. Absolutely. Thanks, Tim. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.